Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Ross Report. I am your host, Alex Shinnery. I'm joined, as ever, by Mr. Rob Sutton. Rob, how you doing? Yes, yes, my, my, my comeback. A little, little while off, but uh, good to be back. Always an exciting time of the season, this. Mm, absolutely. Before we get into what we're going to be doing today, I'll just take two minutes of your time for a quick apology. It seems like I've been doing these far too often recently, but um, we haven't been able to keep up with the same level of output over the last sort of six months or so as we have done the previous two years and for that I apologise um, we are going to try and keep semi-regular podcasts going it's been tough for us this year both of us have um, tough years with work and uni work and things what I am hopefully you will hear an, an awful um, awfully big improvement is in the sound quality from the last few podcasts we've invested in some new technology we have better ways of recording ourselves now speaking to one another so i'm hoping i'm hoping that the quality will go up and because of that you will have a better podcast to listen to however that's not what you're here to listen to you're here to listen to us talk about wasps and rugby today it's going to be a bit of a mixture first half an hour or so is going to be about wasps that's 20 minutes then we're going to move on to a six nations preview and really give our thoughts on the tournament that makes this time of year so special to be a rugby fan however first on to wasps and two huge new signings two new all blacks coming to play for the New Zealand Exiles here in Coventry. First of all, Malachi Fekatoa coming over from Toulon. I'm ex- I'm really excited about this signing. Yeah, yeah, I, I am too. Um, just a, a powerful runner, all-round talented player, and I think that's a little bit what we've been missing at times because he seems to me is a very similar player, but and slightly better quality maybe to a Wanda Young in that he will come in do everything defend really well is lightning quick in attack has got a good step but maybe just has that little bit more of something special than, than Wan has and I think actually playing them together in the centre might be a really really potent partnership yeah I, I think the thing with uh, Fekatoa is as well Obviously, on Wasps have signed players, Southern Hemisphere players before, and there's often been an adjustment period. But obviously, Fekater has been playing out in Toulon. So he's obviously used to the Northern Hemisphere sort of season. Um, the setup he'll be used to playing in the Champions Cup should we qualify for it. So, look, I, th- I think whereas we've seen Sopawanga take a little bit of time to settle in with Wasps, I, I think Fekater will really hit the ground running. And uh, look, look, he's a great player. And him and Sopawanga together with a fully fit Jimmy Gopeth as well, let's not forget, um, could be really exciting. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at the centre options for next year, it's almost a position that's, that's been weak this year will be stacked next year. Yeah. When you've got you've got Le Bourgeois coming through, playing well to start this season, you've got Jimmy coming back from to full fitness, you're going to have Fekatoa coming in, you've got De Jong there, you've got lots of might, options. Might have Campagnaro, not quite sure what's happening there. No, and I, I actually think the last we're coming up we'll come on to the performances the last few weeks, but I think Campagnaro's had a really good couple of weeks in a wash shirt. I thought he was really good against Leinster. And so it, it seems like we could have a real position of strength there. Yeah. Yeah. Well and we need it because it hasn't been strong defensively there, but I think there are pairings now that we can put in or from from the start of next season that we can put in that will be very strong defensively. And also, looking forward to next season, of course, because of the World Cup, the Premiership's not going to start until October, as it did the last time they had the World Cup. They're not going to play Premiership games through the World Cup, as has happened in previous years. So we'll have a really sort of extended pre-season, if you like, to really bed those combinations in, injuries permitting, of course. Yeah, and I th- that worked really well last time when Frank Halley signed. And Piatau as well. Yeah, and, and that little bit of extra that they had really really helped them hit the ground running over here moving on to the second of the new All Blacks coming to Coventry from next year and that's Jeffrey Tumunga-Allen prop and a very good prop at that a, a really talented 
player when you're when you're a front row and you've got to think he's been unlucky to be born into this period of Kiwi front rowers mm. uh, because the, some of the tight heads that they've had have just been world class and they've got two or three world class tight heads who are just in front of him so to have someone like that come in who hasn't got a lot of miles on the clock for a prop the age he's at is he's going to be a, a class signing I think he's a good scrummager he's great in the loose he really puts himself about he's perfect for the modern game here up north one of the pleasing things with this particular signing was the fact that when they announced it, you know, Dai gave his interview and statement or whatever it was, uh, he said that he's turned down bigger offers to come here. And that, for me, is a positive. Because you, you feel we've had Southern Hemisphere players come here before. It's sort of been about the money. And I'm hoping with this guy it's not going to be. And he's, he is a person we can sort of build a team around. Because less, yeah, you know, the scrum has gone really well. We come on to the Leinster game, but that was one of the real positives. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The scrum, the scrum has gone really well. Joris Vania looks like a fabulous signing. Um, he looks like he could be a real good long-term player for us. And he's not made the Georgian squad for their games coming up, which is good news. Which really surprises me. But obviously, signed another year. Um, he signed another year with us. Hopefully, we keep him because I think he's done really, really well. And I, I just think that we've we've got talent there now in a front row that we didn't have before. You know, yeah. We're we're slowly. It's, 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 it's a bit of a blow to lose Will Stewart. I think we've, I think a lot of us were resigned to the fact Cooper Woolley would go. Yeah, I'm, I think it's a, it's a blow to lose Will Stewart. I'm much I'm much more upset about losing Stewart than I am Cooper Woolley. You know, Jake's been the great servant for the club, and I was there when he scored that try and cast. It was fantastic. He's been a fantastic servant, but with his injury history and really an inability to stay healthy over the last few years, it, him moving on is not the worst news. But Will Stewart is a real talented young player, and some of the comments he made on his way out, or you know, obviously he's still at the club for the time being, but about about the way Wasps don't promote youth, really struck a chord with me. Mm. And I do think that over the next few years, if we're going to compete, we have to start promoting from within and re-signing those players because you can't sign a squad under the salary cap to compete in in Premiership Rugby. You just can't do it. You have to bring through your own your own players. Well, you could do it for a season. You could sign a squad that has one good season. You can't do it consistently. And I think that's... That's that's the thing that Wasp need, needs to do. You know, we we had yeah we had that team that finished top and lost the final. But you know, if you look at some of the names that are rumoured to be going, obviously Joe Laundry's not. But if you you know, say if we lost Daly, lost potentially Joe Simpson as well as the names already confirmed. I think we're left with something like six of the twenty-three from that final in two years later still at the club. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and you look at. For me, you have to look at the way that Saracens and Exeter go about their business. Mm. And they prioritise, or they have prioritised, re-signing players. Yeah, yeah, Exeter, Exeter have re-signed six players in the past week. And six international players in the past week. That hasn't been a priority for us over the last few years. And it needs to start becoming a priority. I think there's there's the groundwork is there. Someone like Billy Searle, who's learning... Learning, learning, learning from Gopper, from Sopoanga this season. Who's getting his chance? Who's looked good? He's flashed some really good moments in games. He's still young. He could be our ten for a long time. We just have to make sure that he's happy, that he's he's playing well, and that we re-sign him. Because if if we do, and we have that stability of say a, a Dan Robson and a Billy Searle, or Dan Robson, Ben Velicott, Billy Searle. At nine and ten, maybe Booge at twelve, and then you sprinkle in this mixture of players like uh, an Ashley Johnson or Wanda Young or some of the the guys who've come who come from abroad but stay for a long time, and then maybe one or two high class names who can just come and fit in for a couple of years. But we don't want to be building our team based around those players who can only come for a couple of years. You know, you look at the way these teams have built you look at the way Saracens have built this this core group they've mixed they've mixed together bringing players through their academy 
signing talented youngsters from other English clubs when they come out of contract and then sprinkling in some real high class talents your Liam Williams is your um, Shulk Burgers and you, then there's also players like Shulk Brits who was there for so long who yeah. came from abroad but stayed for a very long time yeah. it's that length of that you know the, the length of tenure has to become longer the average length of tenure for each player if we're going to succeed as Mark thinks but who when you need him yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I wonder what he's doing nowadays. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, you probably got a vineyard somewhere, just sitting, you know, enjoying himself, enjoying life. Cracking player, cracking player. Yeah. Moving on, as we said, we would to some of the performances for the last few weeks. I want to talk about the Leinster game in particular because what we've sort of scene was uh, from from when we played them before and we obviously we smashed them we beat them 52 points to 10 um, a few three years ago I think at the Rico yeah yeah. and they've the, the turnaround that Leinster have had in that time is a model that we can follow yeah everyone talks about how they've They've got half the Ireland team playing for them, They've, which they do. They've, there's a lot of Irish internationals there, but a lot, almost all of them are products of the Leinster Academy, and some of those players aren't going to be on huge money. So, like, Dan Levy really burst onto the scene last year and tied down possibly with a contract extension since, but he's not going to be on huge money yet because he's still, he's still relatively young, still relatively inexperienced, and yes, he's a fantastic player, but Leinster is still going to be able to ride out that length of contract with him. And I think if we were to give some of these youngsters a chance, and we have done in the past, you look at Jack Willis, how, how he played at the end of last year, and unfortunately he got that injury in the semi-final, because I think if he hadn't have done, if he'd have been playing all of this season, he'd be on that kind of level. He'd be starting at seven for England in this first game against Ireland, probably going up against Levy. What we need to do is make sure we're bringing players through around that. So Tom should be getting some more game time in the close of this season. Yeah, Someone like a Jacob Umaga might be an option at 15 if Vinny LaRue keeps putting in performances that he's putting in. Yeah, giving these players a chance and... It's not easy because we're still fighting for top six, which it really shows the the sort of the catch twenty two of the Premiership. Yes, it's great to have things to be playing for all the time, but it does mean that if you don't have a great first half of the year, you can't blood your youngsters and give them as much game time in the second half because you know you might not qualify for Europe, and qualifying for Europe is such a huge deal, especially for a club of this size, with a stadium of this size, that they need to fill. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But to be honest, if you look at the performance, particularly the second half, it was hugely encouraging, because at half-time, I really feared a hiding, because we didn't play well in the first half. They defended well, they defended stoutly, but... You know, we couldn't keep hold of the ball, we're spilling everything, penalty count was high, but, you know, they really did show in the second half sort of that they can at least challenge a team like Leinster, admittedly from 20 nil down, but it was still very encouraging, I thought. Yeah, I, I agree with you. We, they stepped up in that second half and they started to believe in themselves a little bit more. Yeah, we, we started to get some ball and really push ourselves onto the front foot with our carrying. When, it, was, it was helped that Leinster just basically stopped once they got the bonus point. Yeah. I, 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 assume, but, I assume word had filtered through from Toulouse. Maybe, but I just, I did think, I think we stepped up and we started playing a little bit better, played a little bit more control, and ball was going to hand, we were working really well. I thought Nizam Carr had possibly his best game of this year. Yeah. Um, his best game since coming back Nathan Hughes is very good as well Hughes, yeah he did well when he came off the bench um, I, I think Sopwang has had a good start to the year there's not a lot that he can do about the troubles that we've had this year you know, it's not it's not his fault that players are dropping the ball or, or we're not getting quick enough ball or we're not holding on to it as, as well as we should be well, yes he can do more and, and he is doing more week by week but 
you know, I thought he had a good game. I thought, as I say, Campagnaro had a really, really good game outside centre. Uh, I thought he carried well. He was a force in defence. And, and he really caused Leinster some problems out there. The player, player I enjoyed seeing back was Marcus Watson off the bench. thought he looked, looked sharp. And that's encouraging. Because, uh, you know, wings of position, we need uh, we need a second winger, obviously, with Christian Wade gone. And uh, let's hope Marcus can do that in the second half of this season. Yeah, I agree. I, I was going back from my tweets before we uh, sit down to start recording. I... So, it's something I learned from a, a friend who hosts a basketball podcast in the US is you don't need to take notes during games. Just look at your Twitter feed after the game and it will tell you all you need to know about what you thought on the game. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and I thought, I, I tweeted towards the end that Marcus Watson had done himself a huge amount of favours by the way he played in the last 10 minutes. I thought he was absolutely fantastic when he came on. He was a live wire, took his try very well, caused Leinster all sorts of problems, and just a real boost for us. Having someone like that come back fit to challenge, you know, Ross Neal, I'm sure he's not too far away from being fit again and involved on the wing. And I just, I really like that ideal that... We've got some of these players coming through, the lesser-known squad players, really looking to make an impact because that's, again, it's all these different things that contribute to you winning games. The man I want to talk about is the man who has committed his future to the club again this week, and that's Joe Launchbury because I'm not sure there's a player in club rugby at the minute who gives as much to his team as Joe Launchbury does we just look a completely different outfit when he's on the field and the work rate that he gets through the turnovers that he makes the the way just the way we play when he's on the field is completely different to when he's not on the field it's it's crazy he's, he is playing some of the best if not the best rugby of his career at the minute it's outstanding and it's fantastic news for England yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But I would say one of the encouraging factors on the weekend is, even though Leinster scored four tries, we did defend well. And to defend well without him, Young or Shields on the pitch is pretty encouraging, I think, going forward through this Six Nations period. Yes, I agree. Um, I, 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 I do agree with you. I think Thomas Young will probably come back to us during the Six Nations period. Um, yeah, he might he, he might feature against Italy. Yeah, got, I, I can't. They've got, Italy, they've got Italy second, so that, yeah, that's, that sort of takes that's before the Premiership resumes. So. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'd say I, I think he'll probably come back to us because he's in the squad, but I don't know how much he's really going to play um, because he's not been the toughest position in world rugby, isn't it? The Welsh back row. They've I think so. so. They've, they've got a lot of very good players, and I. I I liked. I think he's good, and I think he deserves his shot at international level. I'm just not sure he's gonna he's gonna get it. Uh, I I agree with you. You look at Leinster's tries, and obviously two came from balls into the corner, which we know we can't defend. It, it, you know, and I, I, that's across the game though. There's there's an issue there across the game because it's not enjoyable to watch really. And World Rugby need to do something about it. If I'm being perfectly honest, because. It's turning my enjoyment of the game down, but the fact we didn't concede, yeah, you know, we only conceded two tries, I think, from open play, was a real improvement. And I think our open play, our open play defence was an improvement. Yeah, I think we've still got work to do on the exit game. I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not sure. I'm quite happy with the way that has been used, or. or uh, the way that's been played this year, I think we, we put ourselves under unnecessary pressure in that area of the pitch. But that's something that will come. And again, it's, it's the partnership and the, and the trust and making sure that we can we can build that, that part of our game out over the next few weeks and months going into next season. Because for me, it's, it's about next season now. It's about getting Champions Cup rugby this year and then making sure that we are prepared, well prepared, to really take it up a notch next year. Yeah, I mean, although, look, Watson not going to win the Premiership this year, but, you know, a good spell in the Six Nations with a reasonable fixture list, although who knows what form we'll be in by the time we pitch up to Bristol in a couple of weeks, but, 
you know, if we get if we get enough points out of those four games, Quinns and Gloucester have got tough runs themselves. Gloucester play both the top two. We could be back in the top four mix. Yeah, and, uh, it's not it's not as though Quinns and Gloucester have are going to win every game to finish the year. You know, Gloucester are, are really struggling at the minute. They're really blowing hot and cold. And Quinns, we all know what happens to Quinns during the Six Nations periods. It might not they might not be as badly affected this time round with with call ups and things, but they do seem to lose points during international periods. They got they got Worcester and Bristol at home, which yeah, you you'd, know, it, you'd expect them to win, but you would. But no someone guarantee. someone like Bristol can easily go to Quinns and turn them over. Terrific. Yeah, they're they're playing good rugby, and they're they're not going to be very very affected by the Six Nations period. And Worcester have made their living; they've kept themselves in the Premiership over the last few years by their performances during this period of time. Yeah, where they're where they're unaffected. You know, they lose Benteo, but I'm not sure he's actually yeah, a Worcester player anymore. I don't think he plays for Worcester. Uh, exactly, and yeah, I think that they will they will be a dangerous team to come up against during this period. Mm. So the top four is definitely still on, and all it needs is a, a little bit of form to come together, things to run our way, and we could easily do it. But as but long as we, they're not, not going to win away this year more than any. I can't, I can't see them. No, exactly, exactly. Which means that we'll probably go and do it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh. I suppose, I suppose, Saris could be in the. Champions Cup final this year, number one seeds. They've changed the seedings this year. Um, so, yeah, okay, okay, I'm getting, I'm getting over, over the top here. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna, so. we're gonna scrape in during the last game of the season. We do play Quinns at home though in round twenty-two. Yeah, oh, that could Jesus. be a very awkward afternoon for me. Absolutely. <laughs> well, well, we, I have, I have to say, I am uh, rather worried about where your loyalties actually lie. Um, I, did, I did the ladies game yesterday. Oh yeah, forgot that was going on. Great to go down to Twyford Avenue. Some, some great memorabilia down there. No, I can imagine there is. Uh, who won? Uh, Quinns, 17-13. Good game. Wasp, Wasp played really well. It's the first time Quinns ladies have been properly tested this season, apart from Saracen to a top. But yeah, that the Wasp girls did really well. Mm. They, they were unlucky to lose. Nice, nice. Okay. Oh well, you don't know enjoyment like trying to watch the Leinster game on some dodgy hotel Wi-Fi. Really? Oh god, yeah. I mentioned. I will say this though: a cracking train journey back down to London. Leinster fans are in very good form. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Now I was sitting in the in the bar of my hotel, just come down off the slopes and. had my had my laptop up with the game on because BT Sport works in Austria, so obviously it doesn't work in France because the French carry the Premiership on a separate provider, but it works in Austria. So, pro pro skiing tip there: if you're a skier, it might <laughs> it, you know it it might change your uh, your idea of destination. You can watch the Premiership in Austria on BT Sport. Um, and and the the Wi-Fi just kept cutting out all the time, so I was I was rather stressed. Well, I say stressed. I had about four pints in front of me, so I don't know how totally stressed I was. But um, it was it was a different way to watch the game, shall we say? Anyway, I think that's it done for Wasps chat for us from today. We've done twenty three minutes. How on earth have we done twenty three minutes? Um, moving on to. A preview of the greatest tournament in world rugby. And I don't say that lightly because I love a Rugby World Cup. I really love a Rugby World Cup. But in terms of quality of opposition, history, atmosphere, national pride even, there is nothing that comes close to a Six Nations. Well, it's and, the fact that five of the six countries hate each other. That's what makes it so good. Yeah, and I just... But it, there's just nothing quite like it. And I think that across the, the world of sport, there is there is no tournament in world sport that has better average attendances than the no, Six that's Nations. Very that's very true. It is, it is a truly phenomenal feat for rugby. And come Friday night, when France kick off against Wales I will be sat in front of my TV screen 
salivating over the thought of another Six Nations. It's also, if you're going on sort of stats, it's one of the most viewed sporting events as well around the world, which for rugby is elevated. It's incredible. It is absolutely incredible. Last Saturday was one of the most watched sport days in the UK. Yeah, 100%. So what I'm asking you all to do, listeners, get your barber jackets on. (laughs) Grab your copy of the Daily Telegraph. Put on your best best posh voice, grab a pint of Guinness, and listen as we preview the... Who's the sponsor this year? Guinness. Six Nations. Okay, we're going to go in alphabetical order by team, um, just because that puts the Welsh bottom, and I know that will wind up at least one Welshman who's listening to this podcast. And do we yields? Do we yields you are? Um... Let's start with England, though, and uh, it's a real key tournament for Eddie Jones and his men. After last year's disaster, it's a it, it's imperative that they take some of the momentum from the autumn through this tournament and into the World Cup. Absolutely, I thought it was pretty encouraging autumn. And the autumn was fantastic. Last year's Six Nations, less so. Yeah. Um, it, it's obviously you, you'd expect them to win the three home games France, Italy and Scotland you'd expect them to win the two massive games are the away matches and they don't come much tougher than the Aviva Stadium on the first weekend but at least it's not St Paddy's weekend this year which yeah. gives us more of a chance yeah I mean playing Ireland first up is is exactly when you would want to play them yeah um, you know they are the the one the one time I think you can turn over Ireland in Ireland is the first weekend. They've, they've been notoriously slow starters in this tournament. They've struggled on opening weekend last year. They well, they, they definitely should have they? they should have lost out in France last year. They've lost previously to Wales and I think to Scotland as well in this yes, first Scotland, weekend. Scotland two years ago. So this is definitely the time to play them. I just—it's a hard task to say that England are going to go and win in Dublin. It's—it's it's really tough to for, to say anyone's going to go and win in Dublin. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Um, uh, uh, do you know what I think that will be interesting this year? Mike wants this a little bit later again. Bonus points could play a huge part this year. Um, I, I think if England can get something from Dublin, I think they'll be relatively pleased. Yeah, I, I agree with you that bonus points are going to play a huge part because I think that a lot of teams will take wins off of one another. Mm. Because I can I can see England winning in Dublin and then losing in Cardiff in the fourth week. Or vice versa. Or, or vice versa, but I actually think that... Um, yeah, I, I I think that the Ireland game is an easier win than the Wales game because I think Wales are really really good. They're playing really really well. Now, whether um, that actually happens or not remains to be seen. I'm not a savant. I am a uh, just a guy who hosts a podcast. If you if you had to to sort of give a key man for England, who who do you think you'd pick? Well. I mean, Billy's the obvious one. Um, I mean, he makes England tick. When he plays well, England often play well. Um, And with no Sam Underhill, I think the back row looks vulnerable. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Brad Shields with a few more minutes under his belt. I thought he did okay in the autumn. And uh, I think he could... I think he could be really important for England. But let's be fair, he's not everybody's cup of tea, but England's key man is Owen Farrell. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. I think if he's given the chance to run the game from 10 and we, the, the forwards provide him enough of a platform, he's going to have enough talent outside him to win games. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really interested in seeing how he goes with Dan at 9 for a bit. Because I, I think if you can provide him with quick ball, and we've seen it when Sarri's play, when Ben Spencer's there at 9, if they provide quick ball to Farrell, then Saris can play well. They can play nice attacking rugby this year. Yeah, I think that Dan Robson is can fulfil that Ben Spencer role, but he's better than Ben Spencer, uh, which is why he's picked over him. 
and so it can it can really open up England's attack in a way that we haven't seen in recent times. I just yeah, definitely. I just hope that he gets the game time to do it. Um, yeah, I don't think Youngs has played badly over the Premiership season, but <clears throat> going on form, you'd be picking Robson. Obviously, he just doesn't have the experience that Youngs has at international level. Come to Dublin, I'm almost certain that Youngs will start at nine, <clears throat> but I think Dan Robson could be a match winner off the bench. I really do. Yeah. yeah. I, I, but I think, to be honest, I was going through the squad this morning and this looks to me the best England squad since the, the slam in 2016. I, I think it's certainly the most healthy we've been. Yes, I agree. I agree with you. Um, got the, uh, we, we, do, we don't have the same amount of fixtures. It's the, uh, they're reverse. I think, although we've got three home games, this is almost the harder one for us to win the slam with Dublin and Cardiff. Um, but the last two games are at home. Just, just a, uh, you know, 16 years ago, England won a Grand Slam with this set of fixtures. With, with, with the greatest England team has been and then went on to win the World Cup yeah yeah that's not going to happen no I don't think it's going to happen either but <laughs> I don't, to answer I don't think anybody's going to win Grand Slam this I, year I'm, I don't think so either I'd be, I'd be really surprised if someone won a Grand Slam you know I do I do like England's chances of winning the tournament though I think you, you can almost you've almost got to look to get two bonus point wins at home out of the three fixtures <laughs> I think you'd hope so because it'll come on to a bit in a bit but French oh but it's a World Cup yeah it's a World Cup yeah <laughs> um, I am looking forward I'm really looking forward to seeing how Tom Curry goes for England at 7 mm, mm. if you look at the like looking at the stats for this season in the Premiership he's second only to Thomas Young in uh, the, at the seven position for the way they've played, and I actually think that that's quite a. Usually, sometimes, especially in a game of rugby, stats aren't the best way to look at it because a lot of players, especially in the pack, do a lot of work that you don't see. But I think looking at those two, you would say they are the, probably the two standout sevens in the Premiership, especially on the at the breakdown, the way they're putting tackles in, and I think if. If Tom Curry can have a good Six Nations for England, he can fulfil the hole. He can fill the hole that Sam Underhill's left by being injured. He's a slightly different player. He's going to feature more at the breakdown than Underhill does. But England haven't had a breakdown seven in such a long time that I think it could be game changing if he comes in and plays well. He played Saracens off the park that Friday night game a couple of weeks ago in the, in the Premiership, and uh, yeah, Sam as a, as a side, a, a side on the up. But um, the times I've seen him live, I think he's a cracking player. Um, I still can't tell him and his brother apart. I do not envy the commentators when they're playing together. Um, but you know, I think if England can go to the World Cup with Underhill in the form he was in the autumn and, a, and, a, and an improving Tom Curry. That, that's that's real good quality at seven. Yeah, I I agree with you. I definitely do. For England, what do we think? What do we think for England's a success and a failure? Is is three wins winning the three home games success and and losing? It, de- it depends. It depends on the on the performances. I think if you were going to say three, because if if we win the three home games but get hammered in Dublin and Cardiff, I don't think it would be a success to be honest. Um, because if you look at the autumn, you'd have said three three wins and a great performance against the All Blacks, success. You know, let's say we lost by a point to Ireland, a point to Wales, won the other three. Yeah, I'd be relatively happy going into the going into the World Cup. Yeah, I think I'd like, I'd like to see us win one of the away games. Yeah, I think I think four and one and some good performances is probably the the hope for England. I think that's probably their ceiling as well. As I say, I can't I can't see them winning a slam. Um, I just I don't think they've quite got enough to win in both both Dublin and Cardiff. Um, Can you imagine the gloating this year from us if we did? That oh, would just be... I'd be unbearable. I'd be absolutely unbearable. And I've I've been pulled right back in by England, and it's I tell you when it happened, when it really happened well, was <laughs> no, it's it's actually and it's quite sad, and I will, I will happily admit that it's really quite sad. It happened last weekend 
when the Irish provinces were doing so well in the Champions Cup, the Scottish teams doing so well in the Champions Cup, and the gloating from the Irish reporters. <laughs> and it's the reporters, it's not even the fans, it's the reporters who come out and do it. And it's just so fucking unprofessional. It's so needless. Yes, you're doing well. You haven't done well for the last 25 fucking years. You've had two good years of performances, three good years of performances. Well, yes, you've beaten the All Blacks. Well done. You know, what you haven't done is done what England did and go down to the Southern Hemisphere and beat those teams. What you haven't done is shown consistently that you can do go well at the World Cup. Now, you know, do you know who has made a World Cup semi-final? Wales and Scotland. Joe's won the fucking thing, England. You know he's done neither of those things, Ireland. So it's time now. I'm back in. I'm a proper England fan again. I don't care. I win. I win all the games nine three. I all over it. All over it now. I'm out for blood. I wonder why you've been spotted in a barber shop recently. <laughs> out for blood. I am. Anyway. Whew. Need to calm down quickly. Move on to our friends across the channel. Um, in France, I'm gonna. I wonder, I wonder what France will turn up this year. Well, I was just Go gonna. In early. I was. I was just gonna put it out there. The fact that the French are in a shambles might just be <laughs> might just be the perfect preparation for France for the Six Nations. Well, the, the key game. The key game for France is the first one. Yes, yeah. that's, that's a massive game for them. If yeah. they beat Wales at home, then all of a sudden, you know, with with Scotland to come at home, obviously Italy away, then they will they'll fancy themselves picking up three wins, lose to Wales, and they could finish bottom. Yeah, and we're going to come on to say we'll come on to Italy in a minute, but that's not the worst prediction. Um, I do think they have to. They have to try and win this game with a with a really big performance as well because it's in it's in Paris. It's Friday night. It's under the lights. If they don't start well, the crowd will turn on them very very quickly. Yeah. And I just oh, I, I really worry that they are gonna. Just lay a bit of an egg in this game, and it could define their whole championship. And they'll come into the World Cup, and everyone will be down on them, and then they'll turn over England in the game, in the group game. I can just—I don't know though. That you look through their squad, and there's so many top names, top top players in there, and I just think surely this year you can get it together and you can you can play together as a team yeah they should whether they will I mean it's you, you just look at their autumn though beaten at home by Fiji there's got to be a response there has to be Surely. yeah exactly it, it, it's got to come at some point and you look at the way that some of the, the French players are playing especially the ones at Racing obviously doing so well mm. In the Champions Cup, but I just and Racing plays some cracking stuff as well, which might mm. be the way the French need to go. I I think it is. You and you look at the way Scotland have played in recent years, where they've they've really attacked teams, and I think that's the way you can you can get at the teams at the top of this Six Nations. It's by really going out and trying to attack them. Questions for me are at, at ten for France. They have been yeah. for, for a number of years. If France could get a 10 who really was able to stamp his his seal of approval on the game, is able to play in a way that controlled things a little bit, then they'd be world beaters. But that inability to find a 10 is going to come back to cost them, I think, in this yeah. tournament. Um, I'm not actually sure who's going to be playing starting at 10. Obviously, Camille Lopez is in the squad. And I'm trying he's to... Right this season. He's doing okay. But it's just whether he can really be counted on when the going gets a bit tough. And it will get tough against Wales, who we'll come on to later, 
are my real sort of sleeper pick for the tournament. I think they're they're very good, and they could be very very good this year. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm looking to see the the French. For me, the French might have the two best hookers or the best one-two hooker punch in the world, um, in in Gerardo and, and Marchand. Because Marchand, we saw him playing for Toulouse this year, and I in France he was just. The, a massive difference maker in that game. He's got such a good engine, and coming on in the last sort of twenty minutes when France have been really poor at closing out games in the last few years, having someone like that come on to replace Girardot might be key for them. Yeah, they, they've finally got a backup who's as good, if not better. Yeah, and I just. Oh. Part of me really wants... I think for the romance of the Six Nations, a strong France is, is really good for the tournament. And I just want them to be playing that, that Jure Jure style and really going for it and trying to win games the right way. But actually being successful, apart from when they play England, obviously. <laughs> so it's it's Wales, Scotland and... Oh, so just Wales and Scotland at home and then they're away to England, Ireland and Italy. Um, three for me, France are, are another team that are going to be targeting three wins. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think they they probably target the two home games and beat Italy away. Yeah, if they if they finish in the if they finish below fourth, they they won't see it as a success. I think. Mm-hmm. No, fourth is probably about where they where they probably are. Or where, they, where they'd expect to be, any any higher than that is a good tournament for me. Yeah, if they finish third, I think they'd be delighted. I I do as well because that means that they're better two of Ireland, England, Scotland, and Wales, which uh, is a good feat for the way that they've come into this tournament. Yeah. Okay, and next up, Ireland, the favourites, the men that well. If you go to the uh, if you go to the Emerald Isle, they're the best team in world rugby, uh, the best team who's ever played rugby, quite possibly. Um, there's questions for me though. Obviously, they're doing so well at, at club level in the Champions Cup. You'd expect that form to come over and and play well, but obviously they've got a very tough start against England at home. And as we said when we were previewing England, they've not been the best starters in in recent tournaments but if they navigate that you look they've got to go to Edinburgh they've got to go to Murrayfield to face Scotland week 2 which is a very tough game it's not an easy game yeah. uh, it's luckily for Ireland it's quarter past 2 on a Saturday <laughs> because if that if that game if that game's 5 o'clock on that Saturday and it's dark up in Edinburgh and crowd are out baying for blood it's a fabulous atmosphere. It really is, but it's fucking freezing. <laughs> I have. N- I went up to the game when England played up there. I think it's three years ago, nearly now. Yeah, it must have been twenty sixteen. Uh, and I've never been so cold in my life. Never. In a, I've never been that cold. It was utterly horrendous. Now, obviously, if they get through those first two weeks. They've got a real chance then to build some momentum. Italy, France, you know, Italy away, France at home week three, week four, before going away to the Millennium Stadium in week five. It's a really tough set of fixtures for Ireland to do the slam. Yeah. Yeah, it would be one of, if not the greatest slam, I think, if they pull it off because of the quality of the teams around them and the fixture list they've got. They've got to, as I said, they've got to go to Edinburgh, they've got to go to Cardiff and win games there, which is not easy in this current current climate. Now, will they do it? I don't think they will. I think there's there's one, if not two, losses in there, even. Yeah, I I really don't. I really think this England game on Saturday is a massive banana skin for them. But also with Ireland. They have now got to deal with the expectation of being at home to England and their fans turning up, not hoping to win, 
but expecting to win. And expecting to win, I wouldn't say comfortably, but you know what I mean. As in, they, you know, I think a lot of Irish fans aren't expecting much England to pose much threat out of Dublin this weekend. And it's a different challenge, that is, when you're favourites, especially with a team like Ireland playing England. They won't be used to it. And uh, England have got to use that to their advantage. That game in Cardiff at the end, I mean, that, that could be the game of the tournament, to be honest. Final weekend. Paddy's weekend in Cardiff. What a game. Yeah, yeah, it could be a massive, massive game for this tournament. Hey, it's, it's going to be a huge weekend. It really is. Because England, Scotland, just after it at Twickenham, could be fabulous as well. Really could. Yeah. Well, let, let's hope for another. Um, let, let's hope uh, for another day like. Was it 2015? Was that the year with the best, the crazy finish? Is that the right year? Yeah, I think so. When England and France went off on one another, didn't they? Just scoring yeah. Yeah. hundreds of uh, hundreds of points, <laughs> I think it was, by the end of that game. Um, I'm really interested. I think for the first time, Ireland have got a backup fly half in Joey Carberry, who could come on and, and there's not that much of a performance dip from when Sexton's there running the team. Mm-hmm. That could be key to their slam run if they if they put one together I think the move when it happened obviously there was lots of ringing hand wringing at the move of Carvery to to Munster in that it was basically the Irish RFU saying he needs game time he's going to play for Munster but I think it's actually going to come off as a, a real good move for the for the club and for the countries and the player especially yeah, he was excellent in the game against Gloucester for Munster a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and I think him coming on to close out games could be really effective for Ireland especially given Sexton's concussion history and the the fact that if he gets one more he might be done yeah so having that that 10 coming through who can who can play well for them off the bench if Sexton gets hurt is going to be massive. It really is. I think, though, Gary Ringrose is probably the, the key man for them. You know, the way he played against us a few weeks ago at the Rico, he was outstanding. And yeah. I think he's going to be key for for Ireland moving into this championship. Next yeah, I up... Also think, I also think, just quickly, the Trimacene himself, Sean Cronin, will be huge. Mm. Yeah, coming off the bench to replace Rory Best, it, it will be... Uh, it will be something else it really will moving on to Italy seemingly forever the basement dweller of the competition I do think that the gap between them and the rest of the sides is nowhere near as big as it was when Conor O'Shea took over no. I think you look doing a good job you look at how Benetton are going in the in the that league uh, Pro 14 there's too many right there's too many fucking 14 names you've got Pro 14 Top 14 and I still call it Super 14 so (laughs) you know sort yourselves out can't we just have the Celtic League again or whatever it was bloody called Um, Magnus League Magnus League yeah see these names they're they're much better than now anyway (laughs) Um, Zurich Premiership Zurich, Guinness Guinness Premiership was better I think but anyhow um, I I really I really think Italy can can cause people a lot of problems if they if they can get over the game line if they can really utilise this back row that they've got developing yeah, they, they've got They've they've got an awful large depth of talent in the back row. If they can do that to provide a platform for someone to play ten off of, they might be able to cause teams problems. It's just yeah. whether whether we can get anyone competent playing ten, because they've got backs who can cause problems. We've seen Campagnaro play well for for Wasps this year. There are other players all over the all over Europe who are playing well. It's just whether they've got that 10 who can really orchestrate the choir, as it were, for them in this in this tournament. I'm, I'm just not sure. 
No, I agree. I agree. Um, I mean, Italy have been looking for a 10 for about 15 years or something like that. Yeah, well, ever since Diego Dominguez went to play for Argentina. Yeah. yeah. Weirdest. Weirdest thing that was. Weirdest thing. But yeah, they. You know. I'm just. Oh, I'm not. I'm not sure that they can. They can do it. I really would love to see them win a couple of games and have a really successful tournament. I'm yeah. just. I just think the the way they've been improving, and everyone else has been improving as well, and it's just not quite. Not quite gone for them. Yeah, and it could do. It could do one day. But I'm just, I just don't know. If they're going to win a game, they have to hope, as I mentioned earlier, for the French to struggle, and they might pick them off in the final Saturday. Yeah, and and I, I think that's it. You you you're relying on other people struggling to really, to really sort of. I don't know. I don't quite know the word. If I'm being, if I'm being totally honest, you 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 rely on you rely on other teams struggling to compete, and I'm not sure it's sustainable. <laughs> but that's yeah. a that's a whole other com- uh, conversation for another day. I'm sure we'll get into that over the course of the tournament if they aren't playing particularly well. I'm sure, as I say, I'm sure we will uh, get into that conversation. In terms of players, we're looking out for for them. It's the names for me, and I hate. It's such a stereotypical way of looking at Italian rugby, but it's the names that aren't Italian. Yeah, your your Bram, your Bram Stains, your Ian McKinley's. Yeah, these players are could be. Yeah, could be fantastic for them. They really could. It's just whether they can have enough of an effect to. Um, really push Italy through, and I think it will be tough for them. You, you look at their, you look at their fixture list. They're going to Murrayfield opening weekend. Not easy. Scotland are playing really well. Their club sides are playing well. And then hosting Wales. Maybe that's the game. If they're look, they're hosting Wales in the second week, and Wales have struggled out there at times over the last few years. Maybe they can they can make some noise there. I can't see them making any noise against Ireland in the third week. I can't see them doing anything at Twickenham. And then the last weekend they host France. I just... If they can have... If they could maybe trouble Wales in week two, have a morale-boosting kind of performance against Ireland where they play really well but still lose, the same when they come to Twickenham. If they can make England sweat a little bit, then maybe they go up against France and they're competitive and they turn them over. Yeah. I'm sure Conor O'Shea will have some tactics up his uh, up his uh, sleeve, though. Yes, yes, I, I imagine he will. He's never short of uh, of an inventive way. Uh, oh, they're abs- definitely getting they're definitely getting better, and uh, Conor O'Shea needs to be given the time. I think you mentioned uh, Benetton; uh, they're going really well in the uh, Pro 14, and uh, they might well qualify for the Champions Cup mm. in their own right. Yeah, which would be a great achievement. Yeah, and and they're a good side. They're not. They're not. Um, they're, yeah, they're, they're not the same whipping boys. If they do qualify for the Champions Cup, they're not going to be the same. The same whipping boys that they've been in years past. Firmly on to our friends north of the border. Um, oh, that's not really a border, is it? Well, north of the wall, shall we say? The wildlings themselves from Scotland. Um, I really enjoy watching Scotland play. I have done for a number of years now and I, I, I more than anything I want them to come second in this tournament because <laughs> I can't say I want them to win it cause as, as, as I attributed earlier I'm a proud Englishman but for an England-Scotland 1-2 would be would be the dream in this tournament yeah. I think <clears throat> yeah uh, I mean possible I and think Wales both at Murrayfield. I, I really think that they could have a fabulous tournament. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, they've they've got one or two injuries that could prevent them from being on top top of the form. But yeah. even then, I'm not. 
you know, you look at the way their backs have gone. They've got they've got two good tens in Finn Russell and Adam Hastings, who are both playing really, really well this year. <clears throat> you know, Finn Russell has really launched that Racing side, especially in the Champions Cup group stage. He's played really, really well. Ten, and he's a he's an enigma, a real enigma. But in Hastings as well, they've got someone who's winning games for Glasgow. Yeah, who played really, really well against Saracens a couple of weeks ago. They've got fantastic backs. They're brilliant to watch. They'll score tries, and scoring tries is how you win games. And if they can score tries and have a really good performance first week against Italy at Murrayfield, and put teams under pressure, they've got a shot. Yeah, I just yeah. don't. I don't think they'll win at Twickenham because they they have this mental block where they can't go to Twickenham and win. But I tell you what, the Trump, one of the things Scotland have is they always get drawn into the Jones mind games. Now, say what you like about Jones's pre-match comments. He knows how to outplay the media. And I always remember that game, I think it was two years ago, when Scotland came at Twickenham, not as favourites, but I think people thought they might upset England. And England put 60 points on them. Yeah. And you think the same could happen again if Scotland have any chance of of winning the championship coming to Twickenham on the final Saturday. And there is a world where feasibly Scotland, who are so much stronger at home than they are away from home, come into that final weekend with the chance of winning the Grand Slam. Because Scotland at Murrayfield have been so hard to turn over in recent years. You got to, you must remember that they should have a victory over the All Blacks at Murrayfield. If it wasn't for Matthew Carley being Matthew Carley, they would have beaten the All Blacks at Murrayfield. They should have beaten South Africa. They should have beaten South Africa there. They've beaten Ireland there in recent years. They've beaten Wales there as well. England. Yeah, beaten England there, obviously, that fantastic performance last year. Yeah, yeah it was last that year. Started it. That started it. Jesus, that was only last year. Oh, bloody hell. It's been years, years a long time, folks. <laughs> years a long time, folks. Um, they could come into that week five game with the possibility of winning the championship. It's just the win in France. And that almost looks like the biggest hurdle, which is strange to say, but they've got such a poor away record. If they can get it right and win some games away from home, they'll be a real dangerous prospect in this World Cup because they'll have got that monkey off their back of playing away from home. Well, this game at Murrayfield in the second week is huge because Scotland and Ireland are in the same World Cup. And, I mean, it it didn't have much of an effect in England and Wales in 2015, but if Scotland were to beat Ireland, that would give Scotland such a huge lift going into the World Cup that they have beaten Ireland and they think they might be able to do it obviously on a, on a neutral ground yeah I, I agree I, that's it, it's so big and maybe maybe I'm underrating Ireland and they'll come and they'll whip everyone and win a grand slam but I just think it's so much closer than a lot of people are saying I, look, I think that that is that that is probably the game Ireland are fearing more than Cardiff to be honest I, I think so because it's, I say it's early on and it's just they're so they're such an enigma of a team Scotland yeah. if they put in the kind of performance they put in against England last year against Ireland in week two they'll beat Ireland yeah. although Ireland probably won't be as bad as England were that day but let's take nothing away from the Scots no yes. yes finally moving on to the last of the the sides in the tournament and I hope when we do our Six Nations roundup show I can say the same about them then somehow I don't think so our old our old gaffer Warren Gatland is it his last it is his last Six Nations it is isn't it his, um, his farewell to a tournament that to put it quite frankly he has dominated over the last over, over the length of his tenure Um Wales have always been competitive while he's been in charge in this Six Nations. They've been a really tough team to go and play in Cardiff and they've been good on the road and really tested teams. They've won Grand Slams. They've beaten England at Twickenham. They are a dangerous prospect once again. And I think that come World Cup time they could be a real dark horse because the way that some of their players are playing around Europe at home, the way they're playing as an international side, 
they are very, very good. They have all the makings to be the kind of team who really pushes the top teams in the world a long way. I just don't know if Dan Bigger is good enough at 10 for them to be a factor. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a fair point. I'll also say on Gatlin, he's yet to be Eddie Jones. Mm. Interesting. In, in any international match. Interesting. Um, Interesting. So that game, I mean, let's be fair, that that's Wales's big game every year. England, especially in Cardiff, it's their first home game as well. If they were to lose that game, I think that would be a hammer blow for them going forward. Because I think they'd then slip up at Murrayfield and at home to Ireland if they lost it up to them. Yeah, I, I can see them. I can see them um, really sort of going downhill if they if they don't get a good start to the Six Nations. I just think uh, I'm really I'm really high on this Welsh team. I, I'm really bullish on their chances. I think they've they've got a really good set of players to cause people problems especially you look at that back row and if that back row is on song and it's fit and firing and there you get a referee who is a little bit lax at the breakdown which can happen and has happened in recent years they will really push teams hard really push teams hard and I'm I for one I'm looking forward to seeing it yeah I mean I don't know I, 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 I I just think there's something about the Welsh team that that makes me think that they will be exposed by someone in the Six Nations. Not sure who. I hope it's England because, as far as I'm concerned, Wales is the game as an England fan. I mean, we could debate till middle of next week as to as to which is the biggest game for an England fan. For me, it's Wales. And I just I, I just think they might finish. There might be a plucky second. Yeah, possibly, but I could see them being fourth or fifth as well. Yeah. It's that sort of year this year. It really is. It really is. It is an incredibly close tournament. Now, I, the one, and I, I did mention it a little bit earlier, the one reservation I have is Dan Bigger at 10. Yeah. And it, the thought came to me, watching Northampton when they came to the Rico recently, it was Wasp's best performance of, of recent weeks, of, of recent months even. But I just looked at him and I thought, in this modern game, he hamstrung his team so much when Northampton were playing. There was no pace. There was no adventure. There was nothing to really trouble Wasps in that game. And it's something I've seen Dan Bigger do time and time again. Playing for Wales, playing for other other teams that he's played for and I just wonder whether that weakness is what pushes them into third into fourth place in this tournament you look at the teams that I've we have real question marks over and you think do they have enough at 10 to make a difference in this tournament and I'm not sure that Wales do you look at you look at Finn Russell Johnny Sexton, Owen Farrell, they are global superstars at their position. They're making a difference on the world stage for their country, and I'm just not quite sure that Bigger is quite good enough to do that. One thing I will say that's pleasing about Wales is the fact that it's not Warren Ball anymore. In the autumn, Wales play some really good attacking rugby, particularly against... um, was it South Africa they beat last? I can't remember. I think it was South Africa they beat at the end. That in particular was a really good performance. And they got the Australian monkey off their back as well, which which is big for them going into the World Cup because Australia and Wales are in the pool for the 58th World Cup in a row. Mm. So, um, like yeah, less... look, I mean, Gat- Gatland's last Six Nations, it would be hard to rule them off, rule them out completely. Yeah, I just, I, I think the quality in other teams is so great. Maybe they do it. Maybe they make me look stupid which happens a lot (laughs) just before we finish if you had to go six to one had to go six to one Uh, Italy France Scotland Wales England Ireland nice 
Nice. So for me, Ireland won't win the slam. No, I I, I agree. There there won't be a slam. I'm going to go Italy, France. I think I think those those two are pretty pretty set. The Wales to come fourth. England third. Scotland second, Ireland first. And take, to be honest, if you're third now as an Englishman, I'd take it. Yeah, I think third, you, you've you've outperformed one of those four, and that's going to be the key. I think you know whoever whoever finishes bottom out of that mini mini league table of four teams at the top is going to be disappointed. It's almost a home championships this year, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's, it really is. Mm, mm. Uh, and we just play the others for a nice weekend away. Well, yeah, you know, that's what Europe's about, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway. Brexit Six Nations. Brexit Six Nations. Oh, fabulous. There's the, uh, there's the title of the episode right there. <laughs> Anyway, thank you very much for listening to this latest episode of the Wasp Report Podcast. The Wasp Report Podcast is an Alex Shinnery Media production. Follow us on Twitter at the Wasp Report. We recently passed a thousand followers, which we are very, very grateful for all your support. Thank you very much for listening. Have a good day. Have a good evening. Whenever you're listening to this, enjoy the Six Nations. We're out. Thank you very much. <laughs>